0: hello 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 okay let's do the motherfucking thing faked you out there what's cracking big dogs welcome bike to the channel welcome bike to the headquarters my name is nicholas this is bdge big dogs gotta eat fantasy football it's friday it's friday it's the weekend and uh Am I the only person that recovers from the previous weekend for like the entirety of the week? Getting fucking old, man. Getting fucking old. It's Friday. So we're doing sit starts. We're talking about my rankings. We're looking at guys that I have higher than expert consensus rankings. Looking at guys that I like more, guys that I like less, some must starts, some guys that I think you should have on your radar if they're deeper flexes, et cetera, et cetera. Y'all know the rules. Okay. If at any point you want my full rankings, all you got to do is go over to patreon.com slash B-D-G-E. It'll be listed like right there, I think, along with all the amenities of becoming a Patreon member. So it's week three. We're starting to take shape of, of some of the teams, some of the roles, some of the depth charts. It's always tricky in the beginning. Sit starts are, are, are the earlier you are in the season, the trickier it is to understand uh, the basis of fantasy football sit starts because we don't have a clear picture of defenses. Year over year, these things change drastically, right? Most offenses, we can get a good picture of how good they're going to be, how efficient they're going to be, because so much of what an offense is, is dictated by the quarterback, right? It's the reason they're the most valuable position in all of football, and it's not even close. The reason why why they're paid the big bucks. When you have a quarterback, you pretty much know how well your offense is going to do relative to that quarterback. But for defenses, you don't, I mean, you can have a, an edge rusher, you can have some shutdown cornerbacks or whatever, but at the end of the day, it's a unit. And those things change drastically year over year and certain things that are lucky, certain kind of fucking regression, right? We'll leave that to the analytical nerds, but we don't really know what a defense is until probably like five or six weeks into the season, which makes sit starts somewhat difficult. I'm not really sure what the point of, I'm, I'm getting at right now is to be honest with you. So week three must starts week three, sit your ass on the benches player, list, whatever it is, it is time to tuck our shirts in. It's time to stop yelling. It's time to eat. All right, so the first dude I wanted to talk about in this video is someone that you you you're not gonna not have him in your lineup, right? You drafted him early, back into the first round, somewhere in the second round, and that is Kenyon Drake of the of the Arizona Cardinals. So I was about to say Detroit Lions. He plays against the Detroit Lions this week. Now, up until this point, you have not necessarily got the return that you wanted from up front, given the draft capital. But I've got some good news, and you guys are seeing this Friday. So if you can still go out and make a trade for Kenyon Drake on the Lolo, on the cheap. I would do that now. His trade window is going to close after this weekend. Again, they go against the Detroit Lions. And this is what you've been waiting for if you did draft Drake. He's had two very tough matchups. Weeks one and two was against San Francisco. It was against the Washington Redskins. Two very, 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 very tough front sevens that are difficult to run against. We finally get to see him do his thing against this Lions team who was absolutely fucking torched by Aaron Jones last week, right? Put some fluid on him, put a lighter, and then took a shit right on their chests
1: put a lighter, and
0: then took a shit right on their chests. Jamal Williams had a good game too. Like he, they, All the running backs did their thing against the Detroit Lions. And then you look at the week prior, week one. David Montgomery, Terry Cohen, both combined to average over five yards a carry. So we're starting to get the picture that the Detroit Lions run defense without Snacks Harrison anymore is one that we can attack for sure. You go. I
1: miss
0: you so. They rank dead last in run defense her football outsiders and are close to it in Pro Football Focus's grading system. Okay, so right now Drake ranks 5th in the NFL in carries amongst the running back position, okay? And he's only playing on 68% of the snaps. So the whole like Chase Edmonds thing, that's fine. You know why? Because they run so many damn plays. He ranks 3rd in total snaps. So he only plays on 68% of the snaps, but he ranks 3rd in total snaps among running backs because they run and run and run and hurry and fast pace. They've run the second most plays in the NFL, only behind the Bengals because the Bengals ran like 92 plays last week when Burrow threw the ball 61 times, whatever. They have the third fastest pace in terms of neutral game script in the NFL. So you have a guy who gets a lot of volume. You have a guy going against a really weak run defense, and you have a team that's going to run a shitload of plays. This is the week we've been waiting for for Drake. Drake's breakout is coming week three. Make sure he is in your lineup. Let's talk about Josh Kelly of the Los Angeles Chargers, And oh boy... The Chargers fell in love with Josh Kelly quicker than like I fall in love with a 5-3 curvy Spanish girl. It's a problem. 23 carries last week. The last time Melvin Gordon saw 23 or more carries in a Chargers uniform was week seven of 2017. They already trust him as much, if not more than Melvin Gordon to take that Melvin Gordon role. It just makes too much sense going against the Carolina Panthers this week. It's probably going to be the most chalky, like must start running back of the week, which means he's probably not going to do shit. And he's probably going to put up like a seven point performance in your lineup. But you didn't hear that from me. This Chargers offense runs a lot of run plays. OK, they are first in rush attempts through two weeks. Forty one and a half rush attempts per game. That's insane. Right now, Josh Kelly ranks six in the NFL in carries thirty five carries right behind Kenyon Drake, who was 50 NFL in carries. He's also not a zero in the passing game. Right now, he ranks top 15 in receiving yards among running backs. So that's kind of a surprise. I mean, he was, you know, I I compared him to like a Mike Davis type. Ironically, Mike Davis obviously getting the start on the flip side of things for the Panthers. But in my prospect write-up, Kelly's a dude that can do it all, right? He's not been like a great running back in terms of like efficiency. If you make him do stuff on his own, he's not going to get it done. Like his juke rate, his yards created per carry are like barely in the top 40, top 50. But if they trust him and they're giving him the goal line work, they're giving him the 10 zone carries and they're giving him a shitload of volume in both the ground game and a little bit in the receiving game, you're going to be good. You're going to be good with him as your RB2 or your flex play. Now, unfortunately for Eckler owners, he is monopolizing those end zone carries. So he has three goal line carries to Eckler's zero. He has six 10 zone carries to Eckler's one. And I also think for as good as like Justin Herbert looked last week, you know, Anthony Lynn don't want him airing the ball out. He barely trusts him. He, wa- he fucking went on record saying he wanted to put Tyrod Taylor into this game if he was at 100%. How can you watch that performance last week and then say Tyrod Taylor gives your team the best chance to win? Yes, I understand that they lost week two. They were playing as the fucking Chiefs, okay? Shut your mouth. And it was the Bengals in week one. So clearly Anthony Lynn, for as, as fucking jazzed up as he might be about what Justin Herbert did, like I don't think he trusts him fully, if at all, to be honest. So I think this is going to be another game where they're going to give their running backs probably 40 plus touches. And the Panthers so far, the defensive side of the ball, have allowed 32 and a half points per game. Over 30 points to each of their first two opponents. And they probably have, probably not arguably, the worst run defenses in the entire league. They let up three touchdowns to Josh Jacobs in week one. They let up three touchdowns to the combination of Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones last week. And he slips through, breaks free, Leonard Fournette. What a gut punch i took ronald jones in the sixth round i'm not i'm not worried about it everyone's gonna give me shit but they don't know anything they're not the sharps i'm the sharp so he's still a starting running back hell i might take leonard fournette the next pick in the seventh who knows <laughs> stay tuned i would be shocked if both kelly and eckler don't walk away from this game with at least one touchdown apiece. that is why the touchdown dance on monkey knife fight is my favorite play of this week. Let's win some money. Monkeyknifefight.com. Click new game once you sign up and make sure when you do sign up, you use the promo code BDGE. When you deposit, they're going to give you double whatever you throw down. If you put down 10, they're going to give you 20 to play with when you use the promo code BDGE. So once we are done with all that, we're going to go the football, a little football, icon lets you know that we are doing things that involve a football game. Whew. So speaking on Josh Kelly, we're going to go down to the Panthers and the Chargers. Uh, one other thing I like to do is like the star shootout up here. So you can get a, you can get a mix of all the players playing in the early games or all the players playing in the late games, your choice. They usually get better odds or you get a little less juice when you're playing the individual games. So we'll go to Carolina. We'll go to the We're going to go to touchdown dance. I love touchdown dance. We have uh, done pretty well so far this year. We're, we're two of three, I believe. And what we're going to do, we're going to pick Austin Kelly, Austin, Austin Eckler, Joshua Eckler, Austin Kelly and Joshua Eckler. And then depending on whoever you want to throw in here. Who do you think will score a touchdown in this game? I think Mike Davis makes sense, but I don't really know how many goal line opportunities they're going to have. I don't know if he has the explosiveness at all to really make those Christian McCaffrey type plays. The smart play here the smart play here would be to pair it up with Mike Davis, who's probably going to see like 60 to 70% of the opportunities in Carolina, but I almost feel like he's going to be like a Todd Gurley type player. <clears throat> Foreshadowing, where he might go like 18 for 60. Catch a few balls, but I'm actually going to go out on a limb here. I'm going to go with my boy DJ Moore. So Austin Eckler, DJ Moore, Josh Kelly. Now what you need to do is you choose one of these three goal two and a half, three and a half, four and a half. So combined between all three of them, you need them to score over two and a half touchdowns, three, four, or five. And depending, obviously the higher the number, the more you will make in return, the more revenue we shall bring in. And we don't report that shit to the tax man. So We'll go, we'll go something nice and light because I'm, I don't know how I'm feeling about DJ, even though I think Eckler can probably get in for like two himself and then Kelly won and then won't we'll really have to worry about a damn thing, but we'll go over two and a half. So between these three, we need three total touchdowns and we will win 15 off thy bet. And again, if you use the promo code BDGE, when you throw 10 bucks on, you're going to have 20 to play with. So you can turn the 20 into, what is it? Where'd it go? 20 into 30. So we're going to, we're going to turn 10 into 15. We're going to submit that shit and that's it. Let's get back to your regularly scheduled programming, sirs and sirettes. Let's talk about Todd Gurley. Every time I say let's talk about, I always want to end it with like, let's talk about sex, baby. And honestly, talking about Todd Gurley right now is almost as good as talking about sex because (laughs) I hate Todd Gurley. I hated him all off season. And last week was the reason why I hated him. 21 carries for like 62 yards or some shit. Like that is the Gurley that we have now. That is who Todd Gurley is. Right now, I have him ranked as RB26, okay? So not even in the RB2 conversation, which is probably a little bit ignorant given the volume that he might get. But ECR has him as RB16 against the Bears, coming off of what we saw last week. I don't know, that's just irresponsible, right? You want to say volume is king, volume is king. But you got to at least run like a fucking prince if we're going to talk about volume is king, not like a peasant, okay? Shout out to Go Fade Me. The Falcons running back, Todd Gurley, has the usage of RB11. So the 11th most touches among running backs this year, he has turned that into RB36 fantasy production. He's been in on just 55% of the snaps through two weeks. The game script last week, the Falcons got up real early, we're not going to fucking mention what happened at the end of the game. Dallas needs this without timeouts. Zerline, will little squibber, It's got to go 10 yards, and it's close. You don't have to wait for it to go 10 yards. You can attack it right there. Somebody could have came in and got it. You're just watching it go. Alamade Zacchaeus could have just covered the ball up. Greg Zerline from 46 to win it for Dallas. Hold is down, kick is up, and it is
1: good! Somehow, some
0: way, the count. Have won it. And they got up real early and it was the perfect game script for Todd Gurley to to if you're if you're up against a team by 20 24 points and you can't put up more than seven fantasy points I feel like that might say something about you okay Gurley's game last week was was pitiful he got work stolen from him in the passing game by Ido Smith some ground game by Brian Hill he got some of the 10 zone carries and goal line carries taken away from him he has not forced a single Missed tackle. Not one single missed tackle through two weeks and 37 touches. Okay. And obviously the Bears defense is no pushover. So I absolutely hate Gurley in this game. Tough defense coming off a terrible performance because he's not a good running back anymore. And you're seeing them start to divvy up the touches and the snaps a little bit more. And I think that's a trend that we're going to continue to see more and more as the season. Progresses. Now, the same thing happened with Zach Moss out in Buffalo. And most of you guys are like, of course, I'm not fucking starting Zach Moss. But right now, he has an ECR of running back 28. So that is a legitimate flex option. Like most people are debating whether or not to throw him into their flex. I have him all the way down at running back 38. And that's pretty much out of the category of where you would flex a player. He also popped up on the injury report uh, with some kind of toe injury on Wednesday. So I'm not sure what exactly his status is. I filmed this on Thursday afternoon. It's like 1- 12 right now. Thursday afternoon. So by the time you guys watch this, we might have some new injury updates. Some guys might have practice. Some guys might be bike at practice. I don't know. But Zach Moss is getting out-snapped, out-carried, out-targeted, and out-efficiency metriced by Devin Singletary in every category there is. There's just no way you can have Moss in your lineup until we see some kind of you know efficiency boost or volume boost that tells you that he's gonna get more playtime going forward. And that's just not what we've seen. We've seen a split backfield, which is what we wanted, but the Bills have gone so pass heavy that it hasn't equated to fantasy points for either of the running backs because we also have Josh Allen acting as the goal line carry. Moss has out-carried Singletary on the goal line 3-0, to but he has not converted a single one of them. He's not playing well enough to commit man more time. He's averaging 2.8 yards per carry, which is second to last in the NFL among running backs. And the only one who ranks worse than him is actually Saquon Barkley. RIP. And this is while the Bills have had like premier game scripts for fantasy running backs in each of the first two weeks, and they've gotten nothing from it. So until I see like Singletary is barely a flex play for me, but Moss is definitely... Out of starting lineups I don't care if you're in a 12 team league I mean maybe you want to flirt with a borderline 14 team league But for real he has looked like shit This team has looked amazing through the air And uh, not looking forward to seeing Zach Moss try to smash against the Philadelphia Yeah, front seven which has always been really stout against running backs let's move over to wide receivers okay let's move over to wide receivers if y'all are enjoying the video so far please hit the thumbs up button subscribe to the channel if you're new we'll be doing shit like this every single day five days a week 17 days a week i don't know if you're on the podcast a rating and review would be fantastico fantastico wide receivers jerry judy going against tampa bay buccaneers so there's no Cortland sutton playing in this game jerry judy so far is a 21.4 percent target share it's really high for a fucking rookie it's really good for any like secondary receiver but let alone a rookie that is a beautiful beautiful number he's a top 15 wide receiver in the nfl right now in air yards and jeff driscoll is taking over for drew lock honestly that might be a good thing jeff driscoll loves to sling it and sling it to his wide receivers after last week i mean he came in out of reserve threw up over 250 yards against a pittsburgh pass defense man that is a ferocious pass rush he did it under pressure which he will be seeing pressure against Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And he ranks right now number one in air yards per pass attempt. Again, he is not afraid to sling it. And who is he throwing to? I was doing some research yesterday. In his three starts for Detroit in 2019, Jeff Driscoll targeted wide receivers on 75% of his throws. The NFL average is 59% tight ends on 18 percent of his throws running backs on just seven last week in Pitt he goes in he targeted his wide receivers on 71 percent of his throws tight ends on 18 percent running backs on nine percent yes I realize they don't add up it doesn't take into calculation throwaways and some other shit like that so don't worry about it hitting 100 percent just understand that Jeff Driscoll loves throwing to his wide receivers we're seeing a trend and Jerry Judy I believe will operate as the number one wide receiver in this Denver offense now that Cortland Sutton is gone I do like KJ Hamler you want to talk about a deep flex play Um, KJ Hamler came in rookie really really explosive fast Deshaun Jackson type player a second round pick out of Penn State the guy's explosive as fuck saw seven targets his first game in here so I believe this will pretty much be a condensed target share between Judy Noah Fant and KJ Hamler so obviously Noah Fant's a tight end one Judy I think is a very very viable flex play this week and KJ Hamler is more of a desperate play but he makes a fun spot start or a fun tournament play in uh, DFS if y'all play that which I do not because that shit's gambling all right gambling's not good you know who isn't also good Carson Wentz kind of sucks right now but with Jalen Rager on the IR you want to talk about KJ Hamler being Deshaun Jackson type why don't we just get the real thing Deshaun Jackson's going against the Cincinnati Bengals now I know he's been disappointing but Jalen Rager is now on the IR and Deshaun Jackson's pretty much the only outside threat that this Philly offense has. And you're looking at a Cincinnati defense that has allowed the seventh most yards per attempt to opposing quarterbacks and almost 26 points per game overall to opposing teams. The problem with Philly thus far has been their offensive line, has been protecting Carson Wentz, and has been allowing plays to develop so that he can, you know, stand in the pocket and deliver it downfield accurately. Both Geno Atkins and Mike Daniels, their interior lineman, missed week two's game. And that's the reason why on Monkey Knife Fight, we smashed Nick Chubb, the over 15 fantasy points or whatever it was, and we killed it. They didn't practice yet this week. I haven't seen Thursday practice reports, but I know they didn't practice on Wednesday. So after two weeks of rest, you're still not practicing. Not good news for the Cincinnati defensive line, which means there will be a lack of pressure in the backfield for Carson Wentz. He's basically been playing like they've been in his pockets, in the pocket in each of the two games that the Philadelphia Eagles have played. And he's been under pressure way too much and it's affecting all of his throws, right? I'm not going to get into the fucking whole thread with... Doug Peterson yesterday, kind of an interesting thread, honestly. NFL NFL Next Gen Stats Twitter account just absolutely shat on Doug Peterson. Basically was at a press conference and someone, Jimmy Kemski or whatever, like the main beat reporter for Philly, asked about Carson Wentz's like missing all these like short dump off throws. And he was basically like, Look, it's the NFL. There's no such thing as an easy throw in the NFL. And NFL Next Gen Stats literally just like quote tweeted it. And went through like 10 tweets looking at advanced numbers and be like, all of Carson Wentz's throws should have been complete. All these really easy throws should have been an 87% completion percentage. And he's down at like 67. They just took a shit all over Carson Wentz and the Philadelphia offense. And uh, I'm here to tell you that this is a bounce back game. It's a get right game. I don't know if it's a get right game for the rest of the season, but they could do something right here. So with deshaun jackson i mean as for as terrible as a as a start as this has been the opportunity has been there all right it hasn't been different than the other years just the quarterback play has he ranks 17th in overall targets which isn't like crazy but top 20 is still pretty good second in the nfl in deep targets fourth in air yards sixth in average target distance second in unrealized air yards so he's getting the air yards but they're either inaccurate he's not catching them they're out of bounds Whatever, 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 whatever. He's still getting the opportunities there. And with Rager gone, the other deep threat, Deshaun Jackson should be clicking up with Wentz this week. I know we feel like we're playing whack-a-mole. We're rolling the dice, like trying to hope that we hit Deshaun Jackson on the head here. He's in a really good matchup too. Uh, according to PFF, they do their wide receiver versus cornerback matchup sheet each week. And according to them, he has the third best advantage amongst all wide receivers given the gradings of the opposing cornerbacks. You have Tyler Lockett, you have Calvin Ridley, and then you have Deshaun Jackson at number two three. So I like the chance of jacks getting right this week against Cincinnati. I also like Corey Davis at Minnesota, man. I have him up at wide receiver thirty one or thirty-two with an ECR of wide receiver forty. And again, if you guys want my full rankings, you know, half PPR, standard, full PPR, if you need help with your sit starts, patreon.com forward slash BDGE. That's where you'll get all of them. Now Corey Davis has had two strong outings to start the year. Uh, Big one in week one. And then he dropped off a little bit last week, but still found the end zone. So he's gone over double digit half PPR fantasy points in both games thus far. And now they have a beautiful matchup against the Minnesota Vikings, who have allowed the second most fantasy points to wide receivers through two weeks. Their team is absolutely fucking abysmal. They're terrible on defense. They play with no urgency on offense. It is a problem it is a problem. And so is AJ Brown's knee. Okay. He's got this bone bruise, which kept him out in week two. If he's playing, honestly, I don't even know if it's that big of a downgrade for Corey Davis. Cause I believe that this bone bruise is bad news. This is something that can linger for a long time, unfortunately for AJ Brown owners. And as of yesterday, Wednesday, AJB was not practicing still. And in an interview, he said, I've got to take it slow. That's what he said in those words. When you say, I've got to take it slow. You already sat the first week and you're missing practice in this week. I've got to take it slow lets me know that it's very unlikely that he does suit up. We'll have to obviously keep an eye on reports, but it sounds to me way more likely that he's not going to play than that he is going to play. And if he does, I think he's going to be more like what we saw in week one, where he clearly wasn't right. He was used as much more of a decoy. And we saw what Corey Davis did in week one. Now Davis will line up projected by PFF across someone named Jeff Gladney for Minnesota, some, some fucking Viking cornerback, some scrub Gladney's coverage grade this year ranks 93rd of 108 qualified cornerbacks, okay? So Davis, in my eyes, is a, a really solid wide receiver three flex play. I, I don't think, you know, I actually had Humphreys in this list last week and he ended up going like five for 50 in a touchdown. But either way, like with AJB, without AJB, Humphreys is more of like a 50 to 55% snap guy. And you're kind of banking on a touchdown, which is what he gave you last week. And I'm probably not trying to hit lightning in a bottle twice there. Uh, so I like Corey Davis. Obviously, Jonah Smith becomes a target monster as well. So Corey Davis, wide receiver, 32, above consensus. Darius Slayton, man, versus the San Francisco 49ers. Hard not to like Slayton this week for for a whole lot of reasons. A whole lot of gang shit over here with Darius Slayton and the New York Giants. This, I think, is the lock of the fucking century. San Francisco is minus four on the road in MetLife. This is the get-right game for New York, okay? You want to bet on a game this week? It's the New York Giants plus four. Snacks didn't send me. This is all on my own. He picked the Giants last week terrible fucking big. You can't pick your own teams. Okay. So automatic rule. Number one L all that shit. Don't do it. I do it. I do it for you snacks. I'm doing you a service here. You're doing yourself a disservice plus four New York giants, put the revenue on it, put the mortgage on it, lock of the millennium, San Francisco, very banged up on defense, right? They're going to be without Bosa. They're going to be without Solomon Thomas. They're going to be without Richard Sherman, who Slayton likely would have seen a lot of. And while DJ has basically been joined at the hip when he's, you know, backpedaling in the pocket by these opposing defenders and these opposing lines. He's played against Pittsburgh and Chicago, two very good pass rush teams. And the pressure rate from San Fran without all these defenders now hurt, it's going to be a welcome sight for Daniel Jones. Now on New York side of the ball, we obviously have Saquon Barkley out. We have Sterling Shepard out that opens up about 10 targets a game on the offensive side of the ball. A lot of those going to go to Darius Slayton, Golden Tate, Evan Ingram. And not only does Barkley being out open up targets, but what I think it does is kind of like lessen the workload that we're going to see from these running backs. Like I highly doubt we're going to see anything near Barkley touch count workload between Devonta Freeman, Deion Lewis and Wayne Gallman. So I think this automatically kind of pushes them towards a more pass heavy offense to begin with. You have Golden Tate, man. I, I He missed a Week one with the hamstring injury, and then he he still doesn't seem like himself. Like last week, he was he seemed like he was far less than one hundred percent. He like kept kind of like nursing the hamstring, and he he's a tough dude that usually plays for that shit. But you could tell he was clearly less than one hundred percent. So I don't know. This 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 target competition has has quickly dwindled to Darius Slayton and Evan Ingram, in my humble ass opinion. Now, San Fran played in MetLife last week, and we've heard nothing but them fucking complaining about the turf there, or whatever the fucking field is. They played against the Jets last week, and they were on the road, obviously. I don't know if they stayed in New Jersey, which would be a great fucking choice by them. Beautiful state. If they stayed in New Jersey or they flew back and then flew back again to play in MetLife, either way, I mean, they're either away from their facilities and their homes and their families for two weeks at a time, or they have to travel cross country two weeks in a row, which is shitty. That's another reason why I really like the spread in this one for the Giants. I don't like when teams have to travel cross country. It's one thing being on the road, but it's one thing being on the fucking road road. You know what I'm saying? Like that is not good for for San Fran we also have to like Nick Mullins is their quarterback right I know he's not he's not shitty and Jimmy G is not anything special really but like I this doesn't make much sense for me for, to see Fran. I think I think straight up New York probably beats them
1: oh stop oh stop oh, oh I can't breathe
0: so I think you could start Slayton with with pretty pretty hefty confidence in this one along with a few of these quarterbacks that I'm going to mention I'm actually only going to mention one but I'll, I'll mention one start one sit. Matt Stafford at Arizona He is my quarterback eleven, and right now he's quarterback fifteen or sixteen in ECR. Biggest news here is, of course, he gets Kenny Galladay back. His his elite outside possession receiver right miss kenny g the first two weeks and it shows while the cardinals d has been good they've played against weak offenses weak quarterbacks in the first two weeks like jimmy g and i believe his haskins last week they've looked very good for sure they're they're a much improved defensive unit but detroit's pass blocking line i think can handle it they are uh, number nine graded per pff right now so they're more than well equipped up front and as i've talked about many times this arizona cardinals team has a crazy high pace number two in total plays on the year which is why the over under in this game is 55 and a half 50 fucking five and a half points over under per Vegas. Only Dallas and Seattle have a higher over under and it's a half a point more at 56. So the second highest over under the week is because they're going to run so many damn plays. Stafford's also had seven drops so far this year, which is the second highest number among NFL quarterbacks. So I'm feeling a strong game coming from Stafford. He's got his, he's got his, his weapons lined up. He's got a, he's playing against a team that will score a lot of points and will run a lot of plays. So I think that will carry over to the Detroit offensive side of the ball as well. And uh, I think this is a bounce back game for Matthew Stafford. Deshaun Watson could use a bounce back game, but this ain't going to be it. This ain't going to be it. Traveling from Houston up to Pittsburgh to take on the Steelers. That's a brutal matchup. Just being on the road, being at Pittsburgh. They are just a very, 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 very good defense. And who does he have in terms of weapons? Got David Johnson. So fucking good, right? David Johnson got nothing going against Baltimore. Pittsburgh's run defense is arguably way better than Baltimore's I mean they're both very good but Pittsburgh's is like elite in every sense of the word I don't see much help from the ground game he's got Will Fuller who's nursing the hamstring injury I'm not really sure what his status is but at best he's going to play and be less than 100% now we'll get into the numbers of why this is going to be such a tough matchup for Watson he has been sacked on 25% of his dropbacks so far this year and he's been pressured on over 37% of them which is the fifth highest rate in the league his completion percentage while under pressure is 33% fifth worst in the league and that's probably what happens when you trade away a guy who is your outlet when you're under pressure, right? When Deshaun Watson's scrambling out and he's sensing pressure and he knows he needs to feed it into a tight window. You think he wants to give it a little Will Fuller or a little Brandon Cooks? No. Like that's where DeAndre Hopkins comes into play. That's why he catches so many seven, eight yard passes because Watson gets under pressure, scrambles out, and then hits Hopkins because he's got strong hands, contested catch rates through the fucking roof. And now they don't have him. So it makes sense as why the completion percentage would dip under pressure for a guy like Deshaun Watson this year. Sweet from Andy Holloway. Deshaun Watson has a 61.8 passer rating against the Blitz since week 16, third worst of qualified quarterbacks. The Steelers have blitzed on 29% of their plays since week 16, second highest in the NFL. Joe Dolan at FG underscore Dolan. According to Stats, Pittsburgh's defense has the highest pressure rate, 45.6% and blitz rate, 57.8% in the NFL. Deshaun Watson has been awful, both under pressure and against the Blitz. As most quarterbacks are, when you run play action, you tend to open things up and you you tend to become a more efficient quarterback and your numbers get raised up a lot, right? That's the case with Watson. Unfortunately, their new play caller, Tim Kelly, uh, they are running play action at the seventh lowest rate in the NFL. He's going to be under pressure a lot, man. That's what happens when you have some of the highest graded pass rushers in the NFL between Cameron Hayward and TJ Watt. And they got this other dude, this interior defensive lineman. Uh, what's his name? Tyson Aluala. He's been in the league for a long time, but he had a breakout last year. And it seems like he's getting even better. So he looks legit on the interior line for them. Uh, cementing himself as a real life force up, uh, up the middle. So a lot of pass rush, a lot of pressure, not good for Deshaun Watson. So what you're hoping for for Deshaun Watson is like, he's my quarterback. 13 I think right now maybe 14 even what you're hoping for is that like all this pressure leads to him scrambling a lot like what you're going to need for him to have a good game a usable game in my opinion is going to be like 50 to 60 rushing yards and scrambling for a touchdown which of course is very very possible for Watson but I don't really want to bank on that I feel like it's going to be a lot of sacks a lot of hits taken maybe a couple forced fumbles like it's going to be ugly for the Houston Texans in Pittsburgh in my opinion all this shit is in my opinion but they are big facts I can guarantee you that that is my week three sit start rankings yada, whatever the fuck you want to call this video just me yelling a lot if you want the full rankings patreon.com slash bdge hit that monkey knife fight touchdown dance people monkey knife use the promo code bdge and they are going to double whatever you deposit if you throw down 10 bucks they're going to give you 20 to play with you can turn that 20 into 60 because we're hitting the fucking touchdown dance baby and make sure you hit the thumbs up we're hitting everything all right let the bodies hit the fucking floor let me hit the end record button on here i love y'all See you on uh, Saturday.